of all the things people have studied about becoming successful, it is, you know, people say you have to have a great idea, you have to have a great solution, you have to have a great technology, you have to have a great team. It turns out number one thing that actually can predict success is timing. Why now? Hi, I'm Vishen Lakhiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas and personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. I want to explain why I'm so excited to have Nadine as a guest speaker for Mind Valley University. I bring on people that I know personally impact my life and change my worldview that influence my personal growth. And if you guys have read my recent book, The Buddha and the Badass, which last month was the number one hardcover book on the Wall Street Journal business list, I dedicated three pages to Naveen Jain. And what I spoke about was how Naveen helped inspire me to dream big, to change my thinking, to push forward into the future, see the world as I wanted to create it, 10 years out, and then move towards it. Now, how it happened, though, was, was more interesting. So, Naveen, I'm going to share a little bit of a backstory, okay, before I bring you on. So, I was a member of the XPRIZE Foundation, and I met Naveen through XPRIZE, and I was always fascinated by Naveen's mind, how brilliant he was. XPRIZE launched a challenge funded by Google to see if humankind could send a robot to the moon, and they offered this big prize money as part of the Google Lunar X Prize to see which company, which team of engineers across the world could figure out a scalable way to send a robot to the moon. Naveen decided to compete. Now, amongst all his other businesses, he decided to create a company called Moon Express and compete for this prize. Now, what happened is that Moon Express became the company that got closest to sending a robot to the moon. Naveen went on to close a $2.5 billion contract with NASA. And so today, if you look at the entities actually sending robots or human beings to the moon, it's nation states like China, Russia, the United States, and then it's this man, Naveen Jain. And I was so fascinated by his boldness and his daring to take on things like that, that I started following him. And I saw Naveen speak at an event called Consumer Health Summit two years ago, and he said something that changed my life. I remember furiously scribbling it down on my memo app on my phone, and I took that exact note and I stuck it in my book because his words in just 30 seconds shifted something in me. And what he said was basically this, when you take on bigger goals, it becomes easier, not harder. We get this wrong. When you take on bigger goals, the smartest people join you because smart people don't want to do small things. And when the smartest people join you, they will help you figure out how to get to those bigger goals. It's counterintuitive. The bigger your goal, the easier it is, not the other way around. And that changed the way I was thinking about life and work. So welcome, Naveen Jain. Thank you for being an influence in my life. For those of you who have been following Naveen, you might know his book, Moonshots, Creating a World of Abundance, was listed in Mind Valley's top five books for our community to read last year. Five books that most influenced me. Naveen's book, Moonshots, was that book. The foreword was written by Sir Richard Branson. And please give a big rousing welcome to Naveen Jain. Thank you, Vishen. So Naveen, I'm going to turn the floor to you. 
Wow, that is hard. So first of all, Roshan, you know, I want to thank you for being a friend and thank you for just always being so kind. And to me, what I really love about Mind Valley is that I know at least several dozen people who are very, very successful. And when I tell them about Mind Valley, everyone who had checked it out has come back to me and saying, it really, really helped me. And none of these people actually ever thought that they needed to really personally grow. And I'm going to mm. share the same thing with you that you shared with the audience that I personally feel that I'm just so confident in myself. I don't really need someone to tell me how to grow personally and how, you know, and, but guess what? I watched your 13 week session based on your last book. So I watch every one of them and I say, wow, it's amazing how little I knew about how you can actually really start to visualize the world that you want to create. Because I always knew the word vision comes from visualization. And if you can't, you can't have a vision that you can't describe and visualize. And I think the tricks and the things that you talked about that, how you can actually start to create that visualization. I thought it was absolutely amazing way of getting anyone to do that. So first of all, thank you. I've had now introduced Mind Value to many people and they all have thanked me for that. So thank you for creating what you have done here. And you're helping millions of people, if not hundreds of millions of people or billions of people one day. Thank you. Thank you. And what I'm really excited about, and you guys are going to be really excited about this as well, is that Naveen's new program is going to be coming to Mind Valley. We finished filming it and it's a program on boldness. It's on moonshots. Because I think one of the biggest things that all of us have goals. If you're a Mind Valley person, you have goals, right? But I want you to really stretch those goals, really be bold, because what the world needs right now is more people with the heart of our Mind Valley student base ready to create new companies, new services, new products that can truly change the world. And to do that, you need a dose of confidence and you need to understand just how far you can push a goal. So Naveen is going to take you through an exercise to identify why you, why this is the best time. And what is it that you should do? Naveen, did I articulate that right? Yeah, you did. I mean, like, I think so the vision, here's very interesting thing is that every time you start something, you have to ask yourself three set of questions. Number one, why this? And why this means this is what I'm about to be doing. God forbid I am actually successful in doing what I'm about to be doing. Would it actually help millions of people, hundreds of millions of people or billions of people's lives? And it's not because you have to be philanthropic because you know if you can find a way to help a billion people live a better life, you can create a $100 billion company. You can create a $500 billion company. So you never focus on creating the large company. You stay focused on helping a billion people improve their lives, improve the way they live their life. That's number one. Number two, and why this is, is this the problem that you jump out of the bed every morning thinking about solving that problem? When you go to bed thinking about it, and that's what I call obsession. That you have to be absolutely obsessed about solving that problem. And again, a lot of people get it wrong. They say, you know, I've been told I have to be passionate about it. And to me, the passion is for losers. Passion is for hobbies, right? You see behind my back, all those meteorites, that is my passion. I collect meteorites. I collect, you know, ancient coins. That's my passion. My obsession is to make illness optional. You know, our whole goal is imagine living in a world where being sick is truly a matter and of choice. That's what you're doing with bio, yes. right? Yeah. I just want to connect it to something. Yesterday, we had Dr. Daniel Amen, 
And that Dr. Daniel Amen, who's written 10 New York Times bestsellers, spoke about the importance of gut health right? Especially as you're going through COVID, gut health. Biome is a company that provides the service that lets you test your gut. Okay. So just make a note of that. B-I-O-M-E.com. Go check out Biome. Okay. continue. Uh, I'm going to come back and tell you a little bit more about what we're doing. Very recently, Vishen, I've not updated you, but I'm going to come back to it in a second here, but continue on this thought process, right? So that tells you why this means, are you truly obsessed about it that you go to sleep thinking about it? You jump out of the bed wanting to do this right so here is the first trick when you wake up in the morning and you don't jump out of the bed whatever you're doing is not worth doing that means you're not truly excited about it so watch yourself when you wake up in the morning and you want to hit the snooze button or you just want to lie down for another five minutes you know what you're working on something wrong just quit that right that moment decide that i'm no longer going to be doing what i'm doing right that's one of number one rule the number two is why now and this is really critical of all the things people have studied about becoming successful it is you know people say you have to have a great idea you have to have a great solution you have to have a great technology you have to have a great team it turns out number one thing that actually can predict success is timing why now what is it about now that this makes sense now than it didn't five years ago? Mm, that's interesting, Naveen. I just want to give some scientific data on what you just said, right? So Naveen just said the number one thing that determines your success is timing. So Bill Gross, who founded Idea Labs, Idea Labs invented things such as pay-per-click advertising. He commissioned a survey of what made Silicon Valley companies successful. Turns out getting VC money only accounts for about 15% of your success. A great product, maybe 20%. Timing was 40% of the success. The timing was right. And that blew my mind because I never would have guessed that. The most important thing that correlates with success of a company you're starting is the right timing. Naveen, please continue. Now, so, uh, so I'm going to tell you about how you determine the timing is right, right? So the way you do that is you ask yourself, what is it? about now that is different than it was before. So for example, COVID happened. Suddenly the post-COVID world is very different from the pre-COVID world. That means the set of things, the solutions that people need now are valuable today that six months ago, people would have thought, why bother? And now suddenly the world had changed into this post-COVID world and the set of services people need are very different. The other part that's really, really interesting here is what are the set of technologies that are actually coming up now or better yet are on that knee of the exponential curve? That means these technologies are moving so fast that by the time your product is going to be ready, these technologies are going to catch up. And that becomes the key why the timing is good now than you could have done it five years ago. So for example, when I was starting Wyoming, it was very simple to digitize the human body and to understand everything that is going on inside your body. The couple of things need to happen. The cost of digitizing, that means cost of sequencing your genes or gene expression have to be so low that consumers can afford. It used to be $100,000. You can't make it work. They're coming down. They were $1,000. And I realized if I start now, by the time I launch a product, it's going to be $100. And you got to hit that. That means go where the puck is going to be, not where the puck is. So we knew the cost of sequencing is on a curve down and I can hit that right. Second thing was to process this massive amount of data, you need to have massive computing power. And if it will cost several hundred dollars to process the data, 
it is not affordable. Guess what? We see the cost of the AWS and Google and Microsoft fighting their thing off and knew the cost of processing the data is going to come down to marginally zero. And right. that's literally what was coming on. And the third part was, how do you make sense of this massive amount of data? That means artificial intelligence has to get more and more powerful to be able to do that. And that was right on the exponential curve. And the confluence and convergence of these three technologies, I thought the timing was absolutely perfect to start a company. And that's the reason we did. And obviously, the rest is history. So the right. first thing then is timing. And that is the first key idea I want you guys to take back here. Timing, timing. Now, timing. Opportunities happen when the world goes through disruption. Think about what happened in 2008 and what resulted after 2008. That's when Airbnb launched, right? So many amazing companies launched in that recession. Instagram, Airbnb, I think WhatsApp launched around then. The world is going through its biggest disruption right now in maybe a generation. What are you going to ideate on? What insights are going to come to you as a result of this disruption? Naveen? And the last part really is the most critical part. Why you? That means what is it that you believe in that other people don't believe in? What is the question you are asking that is different from what everyone else is asking? Because at the end of the day, if you believe in the same thing that everyone does and you're solving exactly the same way and you think just like the same way, then what? there's nothing new that you bring into the table. You know, as Peter Thiel said, what is one thing that you believe in that everyone disagrees? The way I ask that question to myself is very different. What question are you asking that is different from what other people are asking? And asking the right question is more of a key to success than having the right answer. That's interesting. Could you explain further on that concept? How do we know the right question? Let me give you a couple of examples of that, and I think that will bring it home. So as you go back to look at the company that you mentioned, Moon Express, and we were saying that, you know, humanity must become a multi-planetary society because it can't be the 8 billion of us living on a single spacecraft. And if our spacecraft gets damaged, the whole humanity gets wiped out. So how do we protect our our species, not our planet? Our planet is going to be just fine. How do we protect our human species from not becoming a dinosaur, right? So idea is that how can we possibly live on the moon? And it wasn't that people say, oh my God, you know, this guy is crazy. We can never go to the moon. We can never live on the moon. The people kept asking the simple question, right? And by the way, this is really interesting is that in many parts of the world, the reason the audacious ideas don't happen, when you tell someone you're going to the moon, they look at you and say, you're crazy. What is wrong with you? Whereas in the Silicon Valley, in many other places which are really entrepreneurial, when you tell someone, I'm going to go to the moon, they don't say, are you crazy? They say, what rocket are you going to be using? Where are you going to be landing? What kind of fuel you're using? Right? My point is, they just assume, of course, you're doing it. Now they want to dig down and get more details about how. right? So in this case, they kept asking me the same question. If you're going to live on the moon, how are you going to grow the food on the moon? And that was really makes interesting. Hey, if you're going to live there, how are you going to grow the food? And it makes sense. But to me, that was a wrong question to be asking. The right question to be asking is, why do we eat food? Think about that just for a second. <laughs> just by changing that to why we eat food and 
that now the solutions are very different because when you say how to grow the food, the only solution is to find a way to grow the food. When you say why we eat food, now you have many possibilities because we eat food for energy and we eat food for nutrition. You can get energy from photosynthesis like plants do. You can get energy from radiation like many bacteria who grow in the radioactive nuclear waste. What kind of nutrition? Hydrogen, oxygen, that's already there in the water on the moon. So my point is suddenly the thing that looked impossible became possible because you asked a different question. Wow, I love that insight. That's amazing. That's amazing. So it's about asking the right questions. Now, for entrepreneurs who are watching this, and our audience is at 920 people watching live. Now, for the people who are watching here, what is a question that we could ask to get us started in terms of if we have a current business or if we're looking for a new opportunity, what are the type of questions we should be asking to start moving us in the right direction? So let me wish and give you two more different examples from a completely different industry. And I want to bring up one more concept and then we can go and move on to the next part mm-hmm. here. So the second thing, you know, on the similar question of asking the right question, Remember, when I started Wyom, I was not a healthcare person. You know, so nobody ever said, hey, how are you going to disrupt this healthcare industry? Are you a doctor? No, I'm not a doctor. Are you a scientist? No, I'm not a scientist. Do you understand the human biology? No, not since the high school biology class I took. But guess what was very interesting? That is what I felt was my biggest strength. So when people start something, they always are fearful. How can I go do this? There's so many experts in this field. I know nothing about it. And to me, that was the thing. The fact you know nothing about it is what makes you the most dangerous person for that industry. Because if you are an expert, the best you can do is to do it 10% better than anyone else. Because you are the expert, you can be incrementally better than anyone else. But if you are a non-expert, you are able to challenge the foundation of what experts have taken it for granted. You can suddenly disrupt and make it 10 times better, not just 10% better. That is a really interesting thought. Experts often don't create disruption because they are so deep in what they already know. And they basically, the reason they are expert is because they have taken the foundation for granted because what makes them an expert, right? Now, in my case, I started to think about in the healthcare, why is it that people develop diseases? And I think, Vishen, that was very interesting that not knowing the underlying science allowed you to think very differently. So in this case, I kept thinking, hey, why is it that you, you know, if people believe your genes are your destiny, your DNA is your destiny, do, do your DNA change when you gain 200 pounds and you become obese? The answer was no, your DNA stays the same. So how can the DNA possibly cause you to be obese if your DNA never changed when you get 200 pounds? If you get diabetes, your DNA never changes. You get depression, your DNA doesn't change. And you get autoimmune disease and pick a thing you want, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, your DNA is never changing. So in my mind, what is it? If DNA doesn't change, that can't be the one that they'll give you a solution. It, in my mind, it was the expression of those genes have to be changing. And now I'm going to give you something really crazy we are thinking. Right? I don't understand this DNA and uh, you know, gene expression. I'm thinking, you know, your DNA are like your thoughts. You can have good thoughts or bad thoughts. But as long as you don't express the bad thoughts, no crime happens, right? Crime only happens when you express the bad thoughts, not because you have bad thoughts, right? And I thought, what if the genes are like that? You can have good genes or bad genes, 
But as long as the bad genes are not being expressed, there is no disease, there is no crime. So all we have to do is to find a way not to express those bad genes. And I think we can somehow cure these chronic diseases. And that's literally how I started thinking about this problem. The other part that I think we share that all everyone should really follow here, I'm just going to give you the tricks that I do, right? When I enter a new industry, I become the information junkie. I read everything about that. And that means, and here's very interesting thing. Don't ever read one book on that subject. Because what happens is when you read the one book on that subject, the author's view becomes your view, right? But when you read 10 books on the same subject, now you have 10 different perspectives of how to look at that problem. And then you form the 11th view by connecting all these different dots. And that 11th view is really what takes you to a different place than any one of the other guys mm -hmm. have ever thought about it. So when you were founding Viome, and when I met you two years ago, when you gave your talk at CHS, Consumer Health Summit, Viome had just been founded. And you would come with such a bold vision that you were attracting so much talent in the field of AI, you were attracting so much investment dollars. Biome, I believe back then was valued at around 400 million. You started a half a billion dollar company pretty much overnight with that bold vision. It's an interesting thought was while everyone started to at that time start thinking, you know, as you mentioned, the gut is the key, you know, mental health, gut is the key to the human health. And to me, if that knowledge is so common, and, you know, the, here's the very interesting thing. Most people will say, you know, in the Eureka moment, oh, I found something, the gut health, right? To me, that was a problem. If that knowledge is so common that everyone believes the gut health is the key to the human health, and there are tens of companies doing the gut health, then why is the problem not getting solved? Am I the moron here? Or am I really thinking differently, right? And that was the key. So I say, if that is really true, the gut health is the key and the tens of companies doing it, but the problem is not getting solved. What question are they asking that is different from what I am asking? And this was really the coming back to the answering the question was, everyone was focused on finding what organisms are in your gut. That means who is there? And I thought, what if that is not the problem? What if the problem needs to be what they are doing? What functions are they performing is what matters, not who is there. And here's how I came to the conclusion. Vishen, you're going to love my you know, simplistic thinking, right? I say, what if these organisms are just like human beings? They could be hundreds of different people doing exactly the same thing. So they could be hundreds of thousands of different bacteria or viruses performing the same function. So two people can have diabetes, completely different organisms, but still have the same function and get diabetic. Or worse yet, same person could perform totally different function depending on the different environment. That means same person at work is an entrepreneur, go home, becomes a dishwasher. What changed? Environment. Not the person. Environment had changed. Now, what if the organisms are just like that? That in Vishen's gut, they're producing the nutrient that the body needs. In my gut, there's a whole bunch of kiosks going on, and they start to become part of the kiosk and start to produce toxin just like everyone else. And they become the mob that actually destroys my body. And that was really the key. Just by that thought process, I said, what if? It is the functions, not who they are, that matters. And that led me down to the path of finding the technology. So I didn't say, oh my God, that is it. And now this can't be done. And I said the right way. So this is another two other concepts I want to bring in because I think that will really help every entrepreneur listening to it. Whenever you see a problem that is a difficult problem, how do you 
find out what functions they're performing. And, you know, people say to do that, you have to know not the DNA, but you have to do the RNA sequencing. And everyone says RNA cannot be sequenced because it's too unstable to stabilize and to be sequenced. Now, everyone at that point would have given up. And now in my mind, that was a different question I should be asking. I didn't say, tell me can, how to do that. And I said, tell me what needs to happen. What needs to happen for RNA to be sequenced? What assume that it can someday be done, but what technologies need to be available for it to be done? And they thought for a second, say, so you want to do it at home? I said, yeah, well, then you have to be able to find a way to preserve the RNA right as soon as it comes out of the human body. You got to be able to have a liquid that can preserve the RNA. Got it. What's the second part? Well, the second part needs to be is now in these RNA, how do you make sure that say, there's so many of them are not useful information, the useful information is only in the messenger RNA, how do you get rid of everything else, right? And my point was, they told me what technologies needed to happen for this to be possible. Guess what happened? Now, once I had that roadmap, I went on a hunt to see where can I find a solution to each one of them. And it turns out I found a solution to a couple of them at Los Alamos National Lab where they were doing the biodefense work. But my point was now I had a roadmap to go out and solve the problem rather than saying it can't be done and throw up the towel and you're done, right? And that is really the key. Anytime you get a very complex problem, like going to the moon, you say, what That's needs amazing. to happen? What needs to happen to solve this problem? And I'm reading all the amazing love here on Viome. Tillman Bauer said, Naveen, we need Viome globally. Next up, Finland, please. There's a huge discussion here on Viome and people are really excited about the potential here of disrupting that healthcare industry. If you've enjoyed this podcast, consider joining Mind Valley All Access. Now you can sign up to Mind Valley All Access and unlock every Mind Valley program instantly. Get access to transformation from all of the world's best minds in everything from parenting to biohacking to mind, body, spirit, entrepreneurship, work productivity. Learn from the likes of Ben Greenfield, Jim Quick, Shafali Sabari, Stephen Kotler, and more. All available to you for less than $2 a day. Simply visit mindvalley.com forward slash now. That's mindvalley.com forward slash N-O-W. And you'll be surprised to see that Mindvalley All Access now comes with advanced technologies to completely transform your learning, your networks, and your human connections, including our new private social network for students, Connections by Mindvalley, and our Altered State Inducement app, Ombana, which complements our regular training with Altered State methodologies to transform you at a subconscious level. Check it all out on mindvalley.com forward slash N-O-W. Mindvalley.com forward slash now. So mission continuing. So what happened? So we started, as you said, two years ago, we did the gut test. Then we realized that is really good. But what happens in the gut, how it changes the human body. And that is something that I have not shared with you. We launched a new product vision called Health Intelligence that looks at both in the inside the gut and combines it with what's happening outside. That means in your body, how does it affect your cellular health? How does it affect your mitochondrial health? How does it affect your biological age? And Vishen, I don't know if you follow me or not on my social media. I did the test. 
And it turns out that even though I'm going to be 61, biological age, mine was, I was in 40s. And I was thinking, <laughs> yeah. I That's amazing. Kids, I say, your dad is really young. I'm in my 40s, so I'll kick ass for every single <laughs> You're but 61. Is, you definitely look way, way, way younger. Biologically, guess what? It turns out that biologically I'm 49. And here's my goal that when I turn chronologically 80, I still don't want to hit my 50th biological birthday. So what happens is now I am working hard. So I walk now eight to 10 miles every day just to keep wow. my biological age down. And I was going to tell you some of the very interesting data that we found that I thought just fascinating. Tell us. So out of that, you know, we have now analyzed several hundred thousand people. People who are on keto diet tend to be two years older than their chronological age. That means they, even what? though they look fit, they look fit and thin, but they have destroyed the underlying cellular wow. health of their body, right? They tend to have their very high cellular stress. They tend to have their mitochondria that is constantly in distress, producing a lot of free radicals. And we look at very high cellular senescence in them. But now here is the most interesting part. The women who have been pregnant in the last three years tend to be two years younger than their chronological age. And you and I have already said that. You look at someone and they say, you have a glowing face. You're pregnant, you have a growing face. And literally, it makes you younger. Your hormones wow. and your body and stem cells literally brings your biological age down. I mean, so it's not a myth. Remember, our mother would say, Oh, sweetie, looks like you're pregnant. You have a glow, such a glow on your face. Right? right. So my point is, it actually makes you younger. So your biological age is lower. And there were a lot of these things that you find that the people in certain lifestyles or the people who are, so we looked at every different ways, different ethnicity, people with different lifestyle and see what causes people to age. So what we now are able to do is give you all that information, but coming back to entrepreneurship, I don't want to go deep hole into this thing, but idea really is that you get to control your own destiny. So don't let someone tell you your destiny is pre-written. Your genes are your destiny. Now it has been proven time and time again. There was a very large study done on identical twins vision. And they showed that identical twins actually have a very different health span very different lifespan. The diseases they develop are completely different. And by the way, how they metabolize the food is completely different. That means your genes are not your destiny. You get to control them just like anything else in your life. So go out there and literally believe that you are in control. You are the CEO of your own health. Mm. Don't let anyone else get in your way and your health. That's amazing, Naveen. We have some questions which have come in from the audience. Can I ask okay. you a couple of questions? As okay. many as you want. So again, if any of you want to ask questions, post it in the Q&A and you can vote for the questions. Now, the first question is by Phil Gilhod. Hi, Phil. And Phil said, Naveen, how would you disrupt an industry with no starting capital? Do you have a strategy where you can just start and where the money and resources come later? Answer is absolutely true. When you are working at Vision, you see it. When you're working on something very, very audacious, the best and the brightest mind want to come and help you solve the problem. Remember, the smartest people want to work on the toughest problem and they want to create a legacy. Nobody wants to work on a problem of finding a roommate. Everybody right. wants to work when you're making a disease optional, right? 
Now, interesting thing is when these people come together, every venture capitalist want to fund a company that has this amazing team of people doing something very audacious. The capital is not patriotic. Capital goes where the opportunities are. And guess what? The more, the more audacious the problem and the better the team you have, everyone, the money will come to you. So all you have to do is get the things started. Just get the thing started and get the great team collected. That means make sure you believe in it, right? Yesterday, I was talking to a, an investor. And this guy did not know much about healthcare. And you know what he said at the end? He said, I love your passion for this project. You must be working on something that is game changer. I want to invest in. And that advice works. I invested in an idea from one of the members over here because that person spoke with such passion about how they wanted to change the world. Yeah. Okay, now the next question is from Kim Vanderhoek. And this is interesting. Kim said, what did Viome discover from people who practice intermittent fasting? So it's very interesting thing is we found is that there is no one thing that's right for everyone. We saw that some people who were intermittent fasting actually were doing well for their body. And it turns out in other people, they were completely destroying their gut. And here's what happened. When people went on fasting, their gut microbiome were not being fed and they were eating the gut lining because that's a carbohydrate, a mucus in the gut right. lining. And they were literally, you don't feed them, they're going to feed themselves. You fight evolution, evolution always wins, right? Evolution one, humans zero, every time, right? So they were eating the gut lining and literally causing massive amount of inflammation and leaky gut by doing the intermittent fasting. So some people in a short term, it works. But the two things to remember, there is no such thing as universal healthy silver bullet that's good for everyone. And secondly, even if it works for you now, it doesn't mean it's going to work for you a year from now. That means right. it, things that are good for you today may not be good for you six months because when you change your lifestyle, your body adapts and your gut ecosystem changes and the things that used to be good for you suddenly become bad for you. So you have to constantly adapt and change. Amazing, amazing. I want to give a big shout out to Naveen's book, Moonshots, Creating a World of Abundance. Go check out Moonshots on Amazon. Last year when I released my top five book recommendations for the Mind Valley community, Moonshots was number four. Number four or number five, somewhere around there, but check it out. That book is incredible. Next question from Raja Lakshmi Rajaram. Raja Lakshmi says, Naveen Jain, please tell me how to deal with ourselves when we look at ourselves and our dreams and get the doubt, am I being crazy? Am I being unrealistic? especially when we don't have any past accomplishment to ensure ourselves? First of all, Vishen, you are probably the best person to answer that question. But I mean, obviously, you and I both know that every one of us has a self-doubt. And self-doubt is not nothing wrong with that. It just allows you to be honest about what is working. So just remember, every idea that you have, it may not work but that is simply a stepping stone to a different idea that leads you down the path. You have to mm -hmm. remember your North Star and don't get married to a particular path of how you're going to get there. The path may not ever be straight. Path is going to be very circular, but as long as you have your North Star, you're going to find things that are going to work and the things that are not going to work, but you're going to, as long as you stay focused on what you want to do, you're going to get there. And you and I have talked about it, like, you know, life of any entrepreneur is like a heartbeat. It goes up and down, up and down, and you should expect it because when you're living a smooth life, you're dead. 
That means if you believe everything is going right, that means you're not even pushing the boundaries enough to know that nothing is going right. When you are down, every one of us are going to go through the downbeat. When you're down, you just need to hunker down and believe in yourself. Then know that the next beat is going to be up. But when you're on top of that beat, just remember, don't get too cocky because winter is coming and winter shall come and winter does come. So just always stay humble and make sure that you enjoy the ups and downs of life. So Naveen, what was your hardest moment? If you don't mind sharing, what was your biggest failure? When did you feel you were on the ground, the world was kicking you? What was that and how did you bounce back? But, you know, honestly, it is never that you are down. It is every company that is successful, bar none. Apple, by the way, almost went bankrupt. Oracle almost went bankrupt. Facebook almost went bankrupt. Every company that is out there has a near-death experience. And I would be surprised, Vishen, if you didn't have a near-death experience. Every successful company has goes through the near-death experience, right? When you believe, oh, my God, am I going to ever be surviving? And that is the bottom of the beat. And then you have to believe that this problem is worth solving. This cause is worth dying for. This cause is really, I'm willing to hunker down and to give my last drop of blood because this is worth doing. And that just that time is what it takes for you to essentially start rising again. And suddenly you say, you know what, what was I thinking? And so every time, I mean, it is literally the smallest of things. The way I look in life is every time I find myself in the toughest part, I close my eyes and say, five years from now, when I look at what is happening on, would I actually even care right. what I worried about, right? Whether it is a girl dumping you or a business doing well or the deal going south. And you say, you know what? Life will be just fine, right? And that's really, other thing is more of my Eastern philosophy that comes into the way. I always look at the stuff and say, you know what? It is what it is. It will be what will be. That means, if everything that's not in my control, I never worry about it because I say it's not in my control, it will be what will be. Everything that is in my control, I never worry about it because I know I'm doing the best possible thing that I can possibly do. And again, it will be what will be. <laughs> and just really I love keep that. moving forward and just say it will be what will be. So Naveen, the next question is something I want to draw attention to because many people don't know this, but you have very interesting views on parenting. And I actually learned a lot about you as a father. I learned a lot from you on good parenting. The way you've raised your children, and for those of you who are unfamiliar, Naveen's family is amazing. All his kids are incredibly successful, get into Ivy League universities, but it's not just that. They're not just academically smart. They start companies, they start nonprofits, they are changing the world all at a young age. Naveen, I'd love to, to have you just talk about your children and your parenting philosophy. So first of all, Vishen, if one thing in my life that gives me the biggest amount of pleasure, it is really watching our children do amazing things. And not just success financially, but the kind of things they're doing at this young age. So when they were young, you know, we basically redefined the success for them. So the idea was we said that your success will never be defined by how much money you have in the bank. Your success will be defined by how many lives you were able to improve. Right. Your self-worth never comes from what you own. Your self-worth comes from what you create. So you could inherit like, you know, you could be a sheikh in some Middle East. You could inherit a lot of wealth, but you're still a parasite on humanity. If you haven't created anything, you simply own it. Right. 
And the idea was that they have to go out and improve the people's life. So our oldest son, who is now 30, Ankur, he runs the four company, affordable housing. By the way, here's a kid. Now imagine, he said, people are having a tough time paying their rent. And they have the deposit that people have first month deposit, last month deposit. What if we can get rid of all the deposits and get trillions of dollars sitting in the deposit out and you give the five month, the five dollars a month insurance to them. And simply the five dollars a month covers the landlord for the deposit. And now you can use the deposit for whatever you want, whether it's for food or for paying the rent. And by the way, Jack, that was an idea. Now New York State wow. signed into the law. Because he just kept pushing, saying this is the affordable housing. Uncle, change yeah. New York law yeah. to make it more favorable so that people would have affordable housing. That's right. People can pay, use their deposit to pay their rent, right? Incredible, wow. right? He got a lot. And how old Cincinnati. is Uncle? 30 years old. How old is right? Uncle? 30 years old. Now, there's another great story about Angkor. Will you say the story about the sneakers and how he started Kairos? Yeah, yeah. So, and he, I was going to tell you two other companies that he's doing, which are just mind-boggling to me that how he does it, right? COVID happened, and he saw there are people are getting laid off from airlines, hotels, all the places, and he sees there is a massive amount of need for healthcare workers. And he has a company in UK that he said, you know, what if we can train all these people coming off these jobs and train them for healthcare? Right. And that yes. just pays him to train 100,000 people. And I still remember I was sitting with Ankur and Richard Branson, and he was telling Richard, saying, hey, Richard, I just did this for a company in UK, an airlines company. As opposed to him asking Richard, hey, Richard, do you want to do this for Virgin Atlantic? He kept listening. And then he, Richard says, uncle, why won't you do that for Virgin Atlantic employees? <laughs> That's so brilliant. And the next thing he knows, the Richard and uncle are working on a press release that how they're going to take a Virgin Atlantic employees who are laid off and convert them into healthcare workers. Right? That but is so brilliant. So now the third company that he's starting is really interesting. He came up with the thing. He said, most of the, us young people are paying rent and they think the rent is being wasted. What if you can come up with a credit card where you can pay rent using a credit card, earn the point that you can use to buy a house and the landlord gets a full money, not a discount of 2%. Everything goes and he got that card now launching that allows you to earn the points on rent, use the points to buy the house for down payment and landlord gets a full money but anyway my point i'm trying to make is that here is a kid who's thinking That's how incredible. to solve the problems that and by the way post-covid problems so he started them because he saw a new world that did not exist before right wow now this brings me to a question okay this question is on louisa and so louisa is asking i have a question for naveen on timing yeah. what is yeah. the best way to assess if the change in the world is temporary or long-lasting for example I still feel that COVID is something temporary and we will be back where we were before. So should I invest time and energy in solutions to something that will pass? Very good question. So first of all, the thing is, there are things that are going to be temporary and the things that are going to be fundamental change. So it is not that COVID is going to be forever. That means sooner or later, we're going to have vaccines. Sooner or later, we're going to have a cure and things will change. But I really believe the one thing that has changed forever, there are going to be more and more people who are going to be working remotely than they ever did before. So I think that is starting to become a little bit more acceptable to more companies than it was before. So in a sense, there's going to be 
I'm not saying everyone is going to now work from home or everyone is going to be there, but that means now instead of one or two percent of people working remotely, I think it's going to be 10 or 15 percent of mm. employees around the world that are going to be working remotely, not 100 percent and not one percent. It's going to be about 10, 15, 20 percent of the people. And there is a massive market to essentially cater to that. Right. So the idea would be what are the things that you can do now that will allow this change of reality? And then you can start to bring in the next set of technology. What if you can bring some type of virtual reality where you, even though you are sitting at home, you feel like you are in the office environment and you can literally start to interact with people mm -hmm. as if you are in the office. And there are set of technologies that are going to come about so anyway, my point is that is the right way of looking at it. What is a simply a temporary change and what had changed permanently? And just don't try to think that everything will stay the same. Things will change, but there is going to be a shift and the shift happens gradually. Beautiful, beautiful. And now we are at 980 people on the call, almost a thousand people listening live. Keep the questions coming. Naveen, I want to ask you something. You made your children, you had a rule with your children yeah. that until they were 18, they could not start a for-profit company. They yes. could only start a non-profit. Could you yeah. tell us that story? Because yeah. I think that's sure. so interesting. Yeah. So first of all, my belief personally is that, you know, even though I suggested that they start a non-profit when they are young, and the reason for that was I want them to learn how to focus on someone else more than the, just themselves. Don't feel the pressure of earning money, focus on what problems exist and how to solve a problem that benefits people. And that was one reason why I wanted nonprofit. Because when you start to create profit, then you start to focus on yourself rather than the problem that other people have. In the second part of I really believe now on the converse side, once you graduate and you are older, I believe if you want to do a small good in the world, you do a non-profit. If you want to do a large good in the world, you do a for-profit because profit is the engine that allows you to scale. But when you are young, you want to learn on a smaller scale, but you want to focus on other people right. because then you start to focus on problems rather than simply say, how much, what can I get? Right. Out of it, right? right, right, right. That's really insightful. So when your kids are young, you only allow them to create a non-profit so that they are focused beyond themselves. They're not just focused on money, they are focused on helping the world. Yes. But when they are after 18, then you teach them how to take that mission and turn it into a company. This is why your son, Angkor, is building such incredible companies that are actually helping the world right now. That's right. Interesting thing is not just him. I mean, the, I'm really proud of our daughter, right? So she graduated from Stanford. She's a Stanford STEM fellow, Stanford Mayfield fellow. And guess what? She cared about a women's health, women's job. He started an AI company to literally look at how to remove the gender bias in hiring. And that's what wow. she did, right? Our youngest graduate from Stanford, by the way, became a Schwarzman scholar. And he went to China as a Steve Schwartzman scholar that takes 130 people around the world and create them about international diplomacy, right? And that, so graduating from Stanford, became a Schwartzman scholar, now starting his own company. But point is, they all focused on how to solve a massive problem, a problem that can help billion people live a better life. And once you do that, everything else will fall in place. Beautiful. As we come to the final 10 minutes of this, what would be your final advice? for the entrepreneurs listening on the next step? First of all, I would say is that there has never been a better time in the human history than now 
This is the first time when there are so many of the technologies that are coming together that are so disruptive that there is not a single industry that is going to be able to survive this massive onslaught or massive tsunami of disruption that is coming, whether it's a real estate industry, whether it's a manufacturing industry, whether it's a healthcare industry, whether it's an education industry. I mean, look at you. I mean, you are fundamentally disrupting an education industry. Education is a multi-trillion dollar market. And it is so ripe for disruption because fundamentally education has been around the fixed time variable learning rather than fixed learning variable time like mind valley it can take you whatever time it takes you want to go back grab create a community learn from each other and a student becomes a teacher and the teacher becomes a student so everyone is learning peer-to-peer -peer learning that is a new model of education so one day mind valley is going to be the next stanford or harvard of education because you teaching people how to take bite-sized information, how to connect the dots in a ways that have never been connected. So my thinking really would be that there is no industry. Half of the Fortune 500 companies will die in the next 10 to 15 years. And what that really means is when the large companies are dying, that means you get a chance to be able to become the next king. When the king is dying, anyone get a shot at becoming the king. And even the companies who are startup companies are four or five years ahead of you. Just remember, every technology is moving at such a fast pace that every technology is going to be, let's assume, disrupted in seven years. That means someone who is five years ahead of you is two years left for him to die. That means now you can come up with a set of technology that's going to disrupt the disruptor. And that's literally what is happening. Uber disrupted the car uh, taxi companies. And now Uber is going to get disrupted by autonomous cars, right? And suddenly you start to see the car manufacturer becomes the Uber because car manufacturer really is the driver. The biggest advantage Uber had was because they had a set of drivers, right? And now the manufacturer becomes the driver and suddenly the disruptor becomes disrupted, right? And that is going to happen in every single industry. And that I think that's the beauty of the thing is, the technology is moving so fast. Never get discouraged that you're too far behind because that means if you're farther behind, you're closer to having a disruptive technology. Wow. wow, that is so insightful, so powerful. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful idea. What is next for you? What are the next things you're looking at? What is your mind focused on right now? So generally, Vishen, I tend to stay focused on a problem that I'm solving because the world is never ever going to run out of problems to solve. Just because vision solves the education problem, guess what? There is still an agriculture problem to be solved. How do we grow agriculture without using pesticide and insecticide, right? I mean, how do we get the scarcity that people have, scarcity of energy, scarcity of water, scarcity of land, there are going to be all these problems. And let's assume by the time I finish my problem of chronic diseases, let's assume these problems are solved. Then there are going to be a new set of problems, right? Today, you and I are communicating with 1,000 people using a low-speed modem called speech. You're talking. It is such a slow right. way of communicating our ideas. It's a 300-baud modem. That, remember the old days we used to have these modems that you would die? Yeah. That's literally mm -hmm. what we're doing. Someday, people are going to look at each us and say, oh, my God, in your generation, people talk to convey the idea? You mean you didn't just read their, you didn't just read their mind and they were just mind mal and they just uploaded their brain down directly to you? You mean you sat in the class for eight hours to learn from a teacher? You just didn't upload their brain? 
And my point is, this is literally, you'll be able to subscribe to people's brain. And as they're learning, you're constantly being updated with their new ideas. And everyone can keep learning and be actually good at what they do. And you can upload their brain, subscribe to their brain. And you can literally, the, here's another crazy thing that's going to happen. Wait, wait, wait. You just said subscribe <laughs> to a brain. That is yeah. so interesting. Right. It's not a one-time thing because if I download all the Vishen's knowledge, Vishen is constantly learning. Right. How am I going to get a monthly update for it? Right, right. right. And you know, the, even the ideas that look really crazy, they're all going to start to become very possible. I mean, you know, it's not just about brain-to-brain -brain communication. It is going to be about people being at multiple places at the same time. That's like my mother used to say, you can't be at two places at the same time because in her mind, the only reason we knew the where we are, it's not our brain is limited. Brain doesn't have any sense. It's dark. It doesn't have any light. It simply gets the sensors, the electrical signals from our senses, eyes, ears. And now imagine if our eyes and ears are cameras and other audio that is constantly connected to your brain and feeding the signal. Your brain doesn't know it's not there. So you could be in Atlanta and Malaysia and Estonia at the same right. time because brain will believe that you're there. Amazing. Well, you make me so excited about the future. And again, guys, check out Naveen's book. I saw someone post, Naveen needs to write a book. He did. It's called Moonshots, Creating a World of Abundance. Go check it out. So Naveen, thank you so much. Like I'm mind blown right now. I have so much to think about. I want to figure out how to subscribe to a brain. That is such an intriguing idea. Thank you for seeding that. Naveen, people are asking for your Instagram. Is yes, it Naveen Jain CEO? Naveen Jain, J-A-I-N-C-E-O. That's Naveen Jain's Instagram. Naveen, thank you. We had 980 people watching live and the number was growing, 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 growing. And people are commenting that this is the best session so far from the last three days. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone, by the way. You can always, if I may say so, all 980 people, if you feel ever that you want to talk to me, just send me an email, my first name dot last name at gmail.com, naveen.jan at gmail.com. I'll be thrilled to answer any question you may have. And please enjoy the Mind Valley. This is one of the best places I ever find information. So all of you are here because you care about growing and there is no better place than Mind Valley for you. Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley Podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body? your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.